Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Well, I'm going to dive right into it. So last week we started, if you haven't been here the last week, uh, we started a study on the book of Ephesians. Uh, I don't know if I'll call it a study, but a series, a message series, where we're kind of hitting some high points in the book of Ephesians. Every year we do at least one book of the Bible, and I do it for a number of reasons. As One is I just want you to be grounded in the Word of God, and uh, so that's one of the reasons we do it. So let me just dive right back in. I think we made it through the first six verses last week, and we'll see. Uh, my hope is that we'll get to verse 17 today. How many believe we can do it? Let me see your hands. My wife always believes in me. Thank you very much. All right. She knows we won't, but she pretends that she believes in me. So last week, one of the things we discovered in the first chapter of Ephesians, that we have every spiritual blessing. And that is exciting if you understand what every a spiritual blessing is. If you don't know what every spiritual blessing is, it sounds kind of like religious mumbo-jumbo, just like kind of talk, like, oh, that's great, God's blessed us. Um, but we began to identify how we get those blessings and what those blessings are. So the way we qualify for, listen to this, every spiritual blessing. I mean, you know, that's a pretty big parameters, right? Every, not just like five, but every spiritual blessing. And so in the first chapter, we begin to identify some. The way we qualify for every spiritual blessing is by being in Jesus. I love the fact, and of course, I know the term Christian wasn't used when Paul was writing this letter, but I love the fact that he uses the term in Jesus. Because in today's culture, you can wear the name Christian, but not necessarily be in Jesus. Is that confusing, or do you know what I mean? Because, see, by default in America today, if you're not something else, then we kind of put everybody in the category of Christian. If you're not Muslim, if you're not atheist, if you're not one thing or another, then we, we, we just kind of shove everybody into the, and if you go to church, you know, on Christmas and Easter, we just put everybody in the category of Christian and put that title on them. But Paul, and in fact, the New Testament only uses that terminology uh, three times in the whole New Testament. Paul uses the term in Jesus nearly 300 times. And so there's a difference of being in Jesus. In other words, we're walking in him, we're living in him, we're breathing in him, right? And uh, so being in Jesus qualifies us for every spiritual blessing. So let's pick up right there, Ephesians chapter number one. I know it'll be a little bit of repeat, but let's cover last week's verse. It says this, for he chose us in him. A good exercise would be go through the book of Ephesians and circle every time you see the term in him or in Jesus. That'd be a great uh, study. Um, and he chose us before the creations of the world. I mean, no, I want to reteach this really bad, but I'm going to keep on going. And uh, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, in love, and he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. 
to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So last week we spent the majority of our time on that verse and the first three spiritual blessings are number one is that he chose us. And again I want you to notice that that's a past tense. He chose us. If you notice that verse we read it says he chose us before the creation of the world. Because some people like to make the excuse that, well, I've done so much bad that God could never forgive me. But he chose you before you did the bad. Come on. Some of you ought to really be thanking God for that right now. Because some of your bads really stacked up, okay? So, uh, so he chose us. Not only did he choose us, but he adopted us, uh, which we talked about last week. And then also he accepted us. And uh, he accepted us not just as we are, but he accepted us in the beloved. God doesn't accept us the way we are before Christ. But because of Christ, he's able to accept us in Christ, okay? Uh, and there's some major theology to that. In other words, we're not just saved because Jesus died on the cross. We're not just accepted by God. We're accepted by God when we make Jesus our Lord and Savior. We're accepted in the beloved, okay? Does that, you guys following me? Okay, so let's go through and uh, read, uh, let's move on to verses 7 and 8. It says, in him we have redemption. Now we're going to continue on the spiritual blessings that we get in God. So in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. Isn't that great? <laughs> that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and with all understanding. Okay, I touched on this one in one of the services, but number four, the fourth spiritual bless blessing is that we have redemption. We are redeemed, everybody. Is it, that's good news. Um, let, let me explain that a little bit. I was doing, uh, way back in the early, early 90s, I think this was 1991, uh, we used to do these youth events that I coordinated called Summerfest. And we would go from Michigan across the state line over into Ohio and set up this big thing. We'd have three or 400 teenagers at this three-day event. It was absolutely, I'm, God, I'm so glad God delivered me from those days. Anyway, um, <laughs> looking back, it just stresses me out. But anyway, I was on my way back into Michigan, stopped at the last gas station because I was on empty, got gas in my car, was going onto the on-ramp, the state line was right in front of me, and the red and blue lights, come on, what's the matter with you policemen? Anyway, and, uh, and, and the red and blue lights came on, and he had been sitting at the gas station, almost like he was waiting for me to drive my car. Well, he pulled me over. I pulled over on the on-ramp and gave him my license and registration, and, and it started taking a long time. I mean, no, you ought to get nervous when it starts taking a long time, right? And so I started getting nervous. I'm like, man, it's been like 10 minutes. What is going on? It's like, it's like good cop, bad cop. They're making me sweat, you know, like I'm, I'm going through my whole life history. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What, you know, I'm like, okay, I pulled out of the gas station. Was I, you know, and so the next thing I know, He's coming back to the window at the same time a tow truck is backing up to my car. Evidently, I didn't have the correct tabs on my car. They were expired. Therefore, my car, driving my car, was illegal. Therefore, they impounded my car right there on the spot. 
Now, I love our policemen, and there's a number of you in the service. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here. But this one particular, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And, and so uh, he just said, your car's illegal. They pulled up, towed my car. I walked back down the on-ramp to Denny's. I don't know what was worse, getting the ticket or having to go to Denny's. I'm not sure. I'm sorry if you work there, but, you know, I'm just, and, and so, so I called the impound yard, said, hey, I can give you a credit card over the phone. I can get a taxi ride down there. He said, I'm sorry, sir, we're closed. You'll have to wait till tomorrow. Wonderful. So I had to call somebody to come get me from Michigan, pick me up, bring me home, then bring me back to the impound yard the next morning to pay for it. Hey, just a reminder, put the correct tabs on your car, everybody. I was at fault. Here's what makes the story worse. The tabs were at home on the kitchen table. I know, I'm your pastor. My name's Ken. Glad to meet you, all right? So I go back, I pay the bill, which wasn't fun. So I had to pay the impound yard plus pay my ticket. How many know that was an expensive forget the tabs on your, right? And, and so, but here's what happened. I had to pay to get my car out from behind the fence that had bob wire around the top. Let me say it another way. I had to pay to get my car out of captivity because of a sin, come on, or a mistake that I had committed. Come on, everybody, right? Think about I had to pay to get my car out of prison, everybody. In other words, what happens when you pay for that, you are paying literally a ransom. See, redemption means to pay a debt you owe, but also to be released from slavery. See, not only did I have to pay the ticket, but I also, in paying the ticket, I released my car from behind the barbed wire fence, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what Jesus has done for us. That is one of the blessings that that he came, he paid the debt that we owe, but not only did he pay the penalty of our mistakes, he also set us free from behind the wall of sin. Can anybody say, thank you, Jesus, for that, right? Now... This kind of comes with a double meaning because we have redemption. Also, the word redemption or redeemed means to restore something back to its original intent. It's what body shops do with old classic cars. And I've seen a bunch of guys out there drooling over a classic car this morning. And uh, thank you, Pat. Appreciate it. And, uh, and, and, And it means to restore, to bring it back to something that's maybe old, maybe that's rusted, maybe that's been abused, maybe that's been uh, uh, in a wreck, you bring it to a body shop, and they begin the restoration process. How many know some restoration is more painful than other? How many know some restoration is more expensive, depending on the roads that that car drove? Come on, everybody, right? So that's what Jesus does. He brings us back into the family, not just to give us a ticket to get to heaven, but he wants to begin the restoration process. And depending what roads you've been down in life uh, depends how long that restoration might take, right, everybody? And it depends on how painful that restoration might and could be. Is everybody tracking with what I'm saying? But he wants to restore you to what he created you to be. Verse number one, or the early verses says, before the creation of the world, he created you with a plan, but life happened. Maybe you were born in a rough family. 
Maybe you were born in a certain set of circumstances and you begin to live life and it's not until you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old that you discover a body shop called the church where he brings you to begin the restoration process. Right, everybody? Why? Because his desire is to restore you to what his intent was when he made you before the creations of the world. Wow. That is why for us, when you look at that wall over there, everything we do, those four things, you'll find all of them in chapter number one. That is why we want you to discover your purpose, to understand why you were made and what you were made for. Number five, the fifth of the blessings uh, is the blessing of grace. How many know this is one of the best? Come on, everybody, right? Grace, for those of you that have never heard this term, the, the truest, purest definition of grace is not something we say before we eat. <laughs> All right? Grace is unmerited favor. And, and did you hear that verse that he lavishes on us? I, I love when people are always like, be careful how much grace you give. Why? God lavished it on us. Don't preach too much grace. Don't give too much grace. You know, hold them accountable. No, 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 no. God lavished it on us. Come on now. That means there's plenty of it. Somebody ought to be glad that there's plenty of it because you need it, right? So grace is unmerited favor that he lavishes on us. Now let me go back to something I said last week. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 45, gives us this understanding that the Bible calls Adam, the first Adam, born in the flesh, and then Jesus, sometimes they'll refer, Paul will refer to him as the second Adam, okay? So we are either in life, we're in the first Adam, because we're all born, we're all alive, we're all here, okay? And, and so all those 16 babies this morning, they, they're born in Adam. And Jesus said we must be born again because when we're born in Adam, we're born spiritually dead because of the fall of man. And so when we become born again, we transfer from being in Adam to being in the second Adam or in Jesus. And every spiritual blessing comes because we're in Jesus. You guys tracking? Okay, now with that in mind, Understand Romans chapter number 5, verse number 17, because then it is powerful. It says this, For if by the trespasses of the one man, Adam, okay, if by his sin, the one man, Adam, death reigned, okay, because Adam sinned, death reigns. That means we're all spiritually dead, we're all physically dying, death reigns. That means you can't be born and not be spiritually dead because death is reigning. Okay, okay. so if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man, watch this. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man? Come on, Jesus Christ. Come on, that, the word preaches itself. In other words, when I go from being in Adam to being in Christ, I get the blessing of grace. And it calls it that right there, the, the gift of righteousness. I'll be able to reign in life. Why does that verse say that I'll be able to reign? Because when you understand you're in grace and you're in right standing with God, it removes the condemnation that keeps us repeating the same sinful nature all the time. See, under the law, when I mess up, 
I feel condemned and guilty and shameful, and what do I do? I feel distant from God. I feel like, uh uh-oh, God's mad at me, so I push myself away from God. Come on, let me show you this. How many of you have ever done something on Friday and Saturday night, and it made you feel like, I don't think I ought to show up to church on Sunday? Once upon a time, somewhere, or you know somebody. Let me say, come on, I need some honest folks, right? Or, or you've done something, and all of a sudden, oh, I don't feel like I should pray, or I can pray, or I should go to church. You hear people, if I go to church, the walls will fall, or the roof will fall in, right? Because that's because you're viewing God from a religious perspective, and you haven't done right, and you messed up, so now I feel bad and distant from God. How can we reign over those things when we understand that we are in grace? We don't, feel, we, we don't feel like God's mad at us when we mess up. We feel like we're accepted in the beloved, and now we just feel like a son that's not getting kicked out of his house for messing up. He's saying, Daddy, I am sorry I messed up, but he doesn't feel pushed away. Grace makes us feel drawn to, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Come on, everybody, right? Come on, uh, um, Galatians chapter number five, <laughs> maybe it's too hot to clap or, or, or whatever. Galatians chapter number two, verse number 21 says, that, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. One of the every spiritual blessings is God's righteousness because we're in Christ. That means I am now in right standing with God, the master of the universe. Wow, God blesses us not because we're good, but because he's good. Come on, everybody. How many of you are blessed way beyond your obedience? Can I see your hands? You better raise your hand or the blood. No, I'm just, all right. See, our, our culture, America's culture, I've preached in many other countries, but America's culture has the hardest time receiving the, the, the whole idea of grace. Because I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and work for it. I'm an American, you know. It's like, come on. And that's why Jesus said it would be harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven because he feels like he has to do or earn something. And so when I, under the law, when I sin, I feel distant from God. That's why, uh, put that verse up. I know I already said it, Romans 2, 4. It says this. It says, but it is, I think I have that. Do I have Romans? Yeah. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. See, so many people think if I mess up, God's going to zap me with lightning. But when you're in Christ, his kindness God's not, he's not kicking me out of heaven because I messed up. Come on, every one of us messed up this week. If you didn't do it physically manifested, you thought it. Some of you have thought it since you've been in here. All right? So when I think he's mad at me, I feel distant, but under grace when I feel like I've messed up. No, I feel his kindness, and it makes me want to do better. Watch this, not have to do better. That's the difference, everybody. Um, So living in grace gives us the strength, then, to reign. That's a big spiritual blessing right there. It's a big spiritual blessing. Remember now that the blessing is in Jesus. So, let me just give you a few, just so you understand this whole legal term. The term in Jesus is a legal term. It literally means when God looks at us, he doesn't see me and my sins. He sees Jesus. I'm in him. He's covered me. If you grew up in church, you sang songs about I'm covered over by the blood of righteousness or, or I'm in the blood, those kind of things that it, it may, might 
seem a little hard to understand, but we're in Christ Jesus. So let me show you some of the blessings in Christ Jesus. Romans. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. So when I mess up, I don't have to grovel and feel shameful. I need to repent, but God's not pushing me away. When I really understand I'm in Christ, it makes me, doggone it, I messed up. I want to do better. I want to do better because of what he has done for me, right? Okay, so there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I love this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, there it is again, the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Imagine if you just left with that thought. You start thinking, because I'm in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God. Come on now. Acts 17, 28, I love this verse. You hear me quote it all the time. For in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our very being. We grew up in church singing that song, that I'm, I'm, I'm in him. Everything about who I am now born again. I was in Adam, now I'm in Jesus Christ. that making sense? All right, uh, let's consider some more of the every spiritual blessings, all right? Take me to Ephesians 1, let's read through 8 through 11. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Wow, there is so much here. Okay, uh, I'm just going to take a little pit stop here and tie it to a later point, Okay. Watch this. He made known to us the mysteries of his will. One of the, you'll see the Holy Spirit pop up here in just a minute. One of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is God living in us to direct us into the will of God. How can the Holy Spirit do that? Because the Holy Spirit was at the meeting. When God created you in the heavens before the creations of the world, and God spoke his plan and his purpose and his unique giftings over your life. In the, if I could, for the, for the imagery of it, in the boardroom, in the, in the factory of heaven when he made you. And he said, I'm making Ken Hubbard and I'm going to make him good at this. I'm not going to give him this because he doesn't need that. I'm going to give him this and I'm going to put this in him. And I'm going to ordain and orchestrate the days of his life. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are a trinity. He was there when I was being created. Therefore, now when I'm in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in me. And so the Holy Spirit can reveal the mysteries of God from the inside out because he was there when God created me and put his plan and purpose on my life. And so when I'm saying, should I go right or left, the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning, come on, and can direct me into his plan. Is this too much for you? In other words, God not only has a plan for you, but he set it all in motion that you don't have to miss his plan. Come on, everyone. That is so good. I get fired up about that, all right? <laughs> to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Okay, when the times reach their fulfillment. There was a time that Jesus was on the earth. He was going to leave. The Holy Spirit was going to come and dwell inside of us to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Uh, yeah, 
In him we were also chosen, there's that again, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Okay, I can't even start uh, to begin to unpack this, so let me just pull out a couple thoughts. uh, So our sixth blessing that's in Christ Jesus is, according to those verses, and this is good news, God has a plan for my life. And you're going to see one of the next blessings is the Holy Spirit now comes to help me walk in the plan that God has for my life. Because how many know your church can't tell you God's plan? I mean, I can tell you some generalities like, stop it. You know, I can do some of those things. Don't go there. Don't date that knuckle dragger. You know, I can do some of that kind of stuff. But when you're trying to decide between good and good, you need the Holy Spirit. I I don't know God's plan for your life, but I know he has a plan. Isn't that that good? Okay. So people want me to tell them God's plan for their life. I can't do that. I'm not that good. But God can do it, and if you'll get close to him, he'll reveal his mysteries in you. Right? Okay. So, God has a plan for my life. You read that word predestined. He, he predestined a plan for my life. He prescribed a plan. Now, I'm going to get into some things right here, so pay attention to this. I know that he, pre, he pre-planned or prescribed a plan for my life or a purpose for my life because Psalms 139 says this. Check this out. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Oh, I love this. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He's got a book on his shelf called Ken Hubbard that he wrote before the creations of the world. Wow. Come on, is anybody grabbing a hold of that? That means you're not an accident. That means your life is not random. That means God has loved you from before your mama met your daddy. Yeah, he did. Now, so this brings in some really curious stuff here. Are you ready? Are you ready for me to really mess with your brains? Are we free or is there a plan that we can't escape? Do we have a free will because you've heard me preach that a hundred times. Or does God have a plan for our life that we just simply can't escape no matter what? Do we have a free will, or are we, or are we stuck in God's plan for our life? And the answer is yes. How do you like me now? Mm-hmm. See, everybody wants to know, what is my... It's not so much what is the plan. God likes when you're walking with him so close that you're trying to discover the plan, that you're trying to be in his plan. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it gets confusing. Watch. The human thought is that we have either or, that we either have, oh, we have free will or we're just set in a destiny, you know? You hear a lot of love stories. Oh, it's our destiny. I've met my destiny. Okay, so anyway, and... um, but, but, but the human thought is that it's either or. But watch this. This is going to mess with you. But the Bible sees it both ways. That, that God loved us so much that he gave us free will, but he also loved us so much that he made a plan for our life. Isn't that great? 
the world would call this philosophy uh, determinism, or, or, or some might hear it, um, uh, some might interchange that as fatalism. Um, determinism says that if you think you have free will, it's an illusion. You really don't. The, the idea of free will is a myth. You are locked into your genes, your history, your family origin, your culture, your, your proclivities, all of those kind of things. So the point of determinism, which, okay, the world's philosophy, a part of the world, uh, that you are destined and your choices don't matter. So God made you a robot, wound you up, and let the world go. That's determinism. Some call it fatalism. Now, on the flip side of that, we're Americans, and, and, and we don't see anything as determinism. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm American. You know? You know what I'm saying, right? And so on the flip side of that, especially in modern America and popular culture right now, we have something contrasting that. It's called individualism. How many has heard of this? We've made individualism our God in America. And, and we, we have little mantras we say like, you just do you, girl. Oh, and guys say it too. Uh, you, you just do you. They just don't add the girl part on the end. At least I hope not. All right? So uh, uh, individually, you do you. Come on, it sounds kind of like this. You do whatever works for you. Well, hey, if that's working for you, you just keep on doing that. Go after your goals. It's all about you. In fact, maybe our professor in individualism is Professor Brown. Anybody remember Professor Brown? Show me his picture, would you, Professor Brown? There he is. Professor Brown said, the future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one, you know, right? Okay. I didn't practice that. That's pretty good, ain't it? Huh? Okay. That's how I talk when I'm at home, just so you guys know, all right? So if you think your destiny is determined by choices and by choices alone, then you are naive. Hmm. So do we have a free will, or does God have a plan that we can't get out of? Again, I would say yes, depending, are you in Jesus? Come on, let's take an honest survey. How many things that you wanted when you were 20 years old you're glad you didn't get? Boy, some more. You better raise your hands. Man, I got to have that. I don't even want to start naming things. But it would, let's see, how many things that I wanted when I was 20 would have ultimately been good for me? On a good day, 20%. But I mean, like, I look back and go, wow, thank you, Jesus, that my free will didn't totally mess up my life. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me show you this a little bit more biblically. In the book of Ephesians, in the letter of Ephesians, you can see it. Uh, I think I have this. In chapters 1 through 3, you are predestined. In other words, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We're in chapter 1. We're seeing it. He's used that terminology, your destiny, your purpose, this, the mysteries of your, okay? So in chapters 1 through 3, you are predestined. God has a plan and purpose. But when we get to chapters 4 through 6, your choices matter. What you choose matters. Okay, so let me throw something else up here. I know you want your pastor to give you all the answers, okay? I am. The answer is yes. Here it is. Watch this. Give me this. Uh, you are 100% responsible, and God is 100% in charge. Oh, that breaks my brain, you know? Yeah? You're 100% responsible, but God's still 100% in charge. 
You know why we can't put those, connect those dots? Because God is sovereign and his ways are higher than our ways. Right, everybody? Come on now. See, see let me say it another way. Uh, this is good news for you. You can mess things up. How many know that? And ultimately, you can't mess things up. Ah, I like that. Because I can get myself in a mess, but all things work. Come on, somebody. Work together for those who are. Oh, my Bible scholars are showing up. The blessing. All things work together. What what if I zigged when I should have zagged? All things. And last time I looked up the word all in Greek, all means all. Yeah, all things work together for good for those who are in, Romans 8, 28, that are in Christ Jesus. The blessing that comes by being in him is I can mess up and ultimately not mess up. That I'm 100% responsible for getting my body dressed and getting to church today, but at the end of the day, God still is in charge. That's good news, everybody. Come on now. I'll give you one other example. I left the state of Washington in 2011, and and when I left, I'm driving the U-Haul down the highway, and I'm shaking the dust off me, and I said, I will never go back there. (laughs) Okay, laugh. You're laughing because you can relate. Mm -hmm. And I'm driving down the highway, and I'm like, man, I will never, I don't care if I never see another evergreen tree. I'm, I'm gone, and I will never go back there. I had free will. I left. God didn't pack the U-Haul. I packed the U-Haul. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was my will. But here I stand. Because you can mess things up and ultimately not mess things up because all things work together for good for those who are in. Are you seeing the blessing of being in Christ Jesus? Come on. I'm, here I am. I packed the truck. I called, rented the U-Haul, my will. I tried to go to other places, God's will. Here I am. Right, everyone? See, his love requires him to give us free will. You can choose. But when we get in him, we're saying, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Come on, are you guys here? This is good stuff here today, even if I have to compliment my own preaching today, all right? His love also requires him to have that plan for our life. Let me, let me show you a paradox. Check this out, Proverbs 16.3. Okay? I, I love Jake does a lot of these teachings like sometimes, you know, we treat the Bible like it's our rule book, like it says, yeah, but what do we do when it says something that con- it seems like it contradicts? Because the Bible's showing us that sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that, and by having the Holy Spirit in us, we guides us into all truth. Watch, watch, let me show you. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish whose plans? Your plans, free will, my plans. Woohoo! Got him in church today, and so I'm ha- praying that you will my plans. He will establish your plans. And then we just, we don't even have to turn a page, and we get to Proverbs chapter uh, 19, and it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevail. Which one is it? Yes. Come on now, right? You want the answer? Here's the answer. Move from being in Adam to being in Christ Jesus. And then you can mess up and ultimately not mess up because all things work together. 
And it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Whew, I love this message. I, I feel like if I didn't have a sore knee, I'd jump up and click my heels, all right? <laughs> Number seven, let me give you one more and we'll get out of this section. Here's one of the other every blessings is that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So give me verses 13 through 14. It says this, and you were included, there it is again, in Christ when you heard the message of truth, okay? Again, remember last week I said we have to keep our circle open so people can hear the truth so that we can let them be in here so they can be in Christ, right? Okay, um, and so when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, now watch this, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you believed, when you gave your life to the Lord, God marked you with a seal. It's like a deposit. Okay? He gave you a gift that you don't get if you're in Adam. You only get when you're in Jesus. And that is his Holy Spirit. I can see some light bulbs and I can see some question marks, so let me dig a little deeper, all right? Who is a deposited or deposit guaranteeing our inheritance? Remember earlier in the chapter, we have an inheritance. We are adopted, and so we have an inheritance. How do we know we're going to have that? Because when we move from being in Adam to being in Christ, he deposits his Holy Spirit in us, which is a deposit guaranteeing that what he said would happen is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'll unpack it a little bit more, okay? Um, uh, for those who are God's possession to, to the praise of his glory. Um, oh, man. Okay, so a deposit when we get saved. The Holy Spirit comes in and lives in us. We're being born again. His Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. That's why Christianity is different than any other religion. It's, it's from the inside out, not the outside behavioral modification in. We're not trying to go find a God. God came and found us and is now living in us, his Holy Spirit. It's a trinity, everybody. God is three in one. God the Father, he has a role. God the Son has a role. And God the Holy Spirit has a role. I'll show you that in just a minute. But how many of you can vegetables or fruit or anybody? Anybody in here do that? Okay, well, I haven't seen my jar of jam. I don't know what's up with that. But oh, No, I'm just kidding. All right, Camden, you make me cookies all the time, so you're off the hook. All right, so, but when you can something, you, you, you seal it. You see, watch this. You seal it, why? To protect it from the contaminants or from spoiling. You, you protect, the Holy Spirit is a protection in our life to make sure that we don't spoil before we get there. Come on, it's a protection. The, the seal is also like a mark. A king would use his signature ring to seal a letter. So the Holy Spirit is a seal. It's sealing the king's marksmanship or ownership on our life. See, Jesus was here with us in the flesh. Emmanuel, God, is now with us, part of the Trinity. And he walked with the disciples and he did all of the things. And then Eventually, one day, he took his disciples aside and said, hey, guys, it's going to be better for me to leave because I'm limited in the body, and I can only be with you. But this whole new thing is not about me being with you. It's about me being in you. Because in the body, I can't be everywhere at once. Fred's in a mess over here, and I'm over here with Frank, you know? But the Holy Spirit can go to all the world to those that are his possession that we just read, 
right? So let, let me show you this in a couple of Gospels. Uh, John 14, i got to hurry. And I will pray, this is Jesus talking, the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus was there to help, but he's leaving, but he's going to give another. The Greek word is parakletus, okay? That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because they're in Adam. You've got to be in Jesus, Okay, uh, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be, watch this, there it is, in you. Watch this, when we get saved, it, it's, it's almost like, uh, uh, you, remember when Moses was sent down the Nile, remember this? And his mom took tar and it said pitch and pitched it on the inside and the outside. That's what happens to us in salvation. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. We've been pitched on the inside and pitched on the outside. Let me say it another way. We've been protected on the inside and protected on the outside. We've been surrounded by him. It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's this, okay. I will not leave you as orphans. Isn't that good? Because I've already adopted you. You've been adopted, so I'm sending my Holy Spirit to remind you that you're adopted. Whew, come on. All right. Uh, okay, let me give, give me uh, John 14. But the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you. Remember when I said the mysteries earlier? He will remind you of everything I have said to you. He's going to remind us the Word of God. By the way, he can't remind you of something you've never heard. Right? Okay. Um, let, me, let me give you one more verse. John 16, 7. It says this. Uh, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, Jesus is talking, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Christianity is a relationship from the inside out. You guys following? And one of the every spiritual gift is the seal or the deposit of the Holy Spirit walking with us and leading us and guiding us and convicting us into righteousness so that we are reminded that one of the gifts is to be the righteousness of God. Isn't that good? Even when I mess up? Yeah, because you're in Jesus. And those that are in Jesus still mess up. It's not that we're sin-free. It's that we are covered because we are in him. Man, that's good, that's good, good, good stuff. Okay, let me just end this because uh, i got to end. Um, Ephesians 1.15, Paul makes the statement. So he gives us all these blessings, and then he says this. I think I have, I'm not sure if I have that. Yeah, for this reason. So Paul's getting ready to go on this whole other riff, and he says, for this reason. What reason? All these blessings we get. For this reason right here, he says, I pray that you would know God. Why does he want you to know God? Because of all the blessings that come by knowing him. For this reason, I am praying that you would look at it. Know God. I want you to know God so you know what it is to be redeemed. So you know what it is to be owned by God. So you know what it is to be adopted. So you know what it is to be chosen. So you know what it is to be in him. For this reason, I pray. Come on now. Oh, 
This is where I relate to Paul. For this reason, we pray all week and every Sunday before you show up, God, today, that people would know you. Why? Why is that our number one thing? We want you to know God because I want you to know what it is to be accepted, know what it is to be adopted, know what it is to be redeemed, know what it is to have the deposit of the Holy Spirit, know what it is to have grace. And you won't know that if you don't first know God. So he goes on and says this in verse number 16. Watch this. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. I can relate to him here. I thank God for you, church. And he goes off talking about how he's thankful. And um, as I said earlier, I'm especially thankful for the kids' workers. How many can say amen to that? All right. Now watch this. Let me close it with this. Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking. So now he goes into his prayer. Remember, for this reason, for all these reasons of blessings, Paul says, for this reason, I keep asking that God is our, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. See if you don't see in this verse those four things that are on our wall. He said, because of all the blessings you could get by being in Jesus, I constantly am praying. What is he praying? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, finding freedom. Mm-hmm. Come on. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, making a difference. Right? The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's Ephesians chapter number one, everybody. I got to stop right there, all right? Ephesians one. That's it. All right. Would you stand with me all over this place? and?